In the name of God, the most gracious and the most merciful. Chapter 1. Life and Personality of Eunice Emre Do you want breath or wheat? We have very limited information about Eunice Emre's life. The most important resource about him is his poems. The years of birth and death are generally accepted as 1240 and 1320. It is important to know about the era when Eunice Emre lived in order to understand his personality and poems better. In mid-11th century, the borders of Great Seljuk Empire, which was founded in Khorasan, reached up to Anatolia. The Byzantine Empire, which was ruling over Anatolia at that time, initiated the Crusades to cast away the threat by Turks. The Seljuks won the battle against the Crusades and conquered Anatolia. In time, the Great Seljuk Empire gave place to Anatolian Seljuk Empire. The Crusades continued during that era as well. Although Turks won several victories in those battles, both Anatolia got devastated and the state seriously weakened. People of Anatolia were attacked by the Crusades in the west and by the Mongols in the east. Mongols reached up to Sivas in 1231, killed the majority of the people, and they left before the army arrived. They were repeating these attacks from time to time. People were feeble because of the Mongol occupation, and they gathered around their own leaders due to lack of protection by the state. The process where the seniors became stronger and the unity was disrupted began. The seniors battled with Mongols on one side and with the Seljuks on the other. Eventually, Anatolia was dominated with numerous social disturbances with occupations, revolts, and establishment problems, and local unrests. Anatolia became a hotspot with the Crusades, Mongol raids, various revolts, and fights for the throne. The era which formed the personality, poems, and the spiritual life of Eunice Emre was a very chaotic period in which people incurred great sufferings. Eunice Emre spent his life, spread his ideas, and made effort to establish unity and solidarity in Anatolia. He visited all seniors and provided a great service by explaining them the importance of uniting. We mentioned earlier that we do not have precise information about Eunice Emre's life. However, we will try to briefly tell about Eunice Emre's life based on what we compiled from his poems and epics written about him. Eunice Emre was born in a small village named Sarukui, located at the junction of Porsuk Creek and Sakarya River. He lost his father at a very early age and left alone with his mother. Like many people who lived in Anatolia at that time, they subsisted on farming. Eunice Emre was a young man loved by the villagers and appreciated for his respect, manners, and dignity. He was born and grew among such pure people whose entire world was that small village and only purpose was to work to sustain their lives and perform the worships they were ordained. Although he hadn't seen anything beyond these, he always thought to himself that there was something missing. He felt uneasy and he was on a quest. He was trying to find the remedy to his problem and to appease that uneasiness without knowing what he was searching for or what that remedy looked like. Sometimes he was so overwhelmed that he immediately walked away from everyone and everything and ended up in the graveyards. There he felt like he could breathe and he got even a little closer to what he was searching for. He was thinking for long hours, but he was not able to work it out. He was looking at the graves and he was unable to understand. He thought, so that we will die, why were we born into this world? Every person arriving in this world should have a mission, and this mission should not be such simple things like feeding, marrying, and reproducing, because even the animals can do these. 
Jonas began to keep the suffering of unknown reasons within himself even as a youngster, and as his grievance increased, loneliness became his friend, and he became a friend to the miserable. Anyone who had a problem visited him, and they felt a strange relief upon sharing their problems with him. He constantly supplicated the Creator and asked for remedies for their problems. He was longing. He was longing for someone or something that he didn't know. A yearning which burnt his heart, which he couldn't tell anyone. His mother was very concerned about that state of Eunice. She was crying, thinking whether he fell in blind love or smote upon taking a wrong step. She was inquiring in vain without getting any answer. Time passed by and life went on while Eunice was struggling with his problems. That year, there was a very little crop and the bins were almost empty. And on top of it, winter came. The entire village was struggling with hunger, cold, and despair. Many elders, patients, and children died in misery. The notables of the village gathered and decided to send someone among them to Hajibektash Veli's village, which they heard to be the land of milk and honey. Because when everyone was struggling with famine, the abundance in that village was the talk of the town. Eunice immediately volunteered to this challenging duty. He wanted to be alone, travel, and see new places. He thought he could ease the suffering he felt inside. The other day, Eunice set off on the ox-driven cart provided by villagers by leaving his sad mother behind. On his way, he thought, As per our traditions, I should bring a present, but there was nothing in the village to offer as a present. Just then, he noticed the thorn apples by the road, and he got off the cart and picked some thorn apples. He put them into his bag and continued to walk. Now he felt comfortable. Eunice was on his way. He walked day and night. He stopped by several hostels as he moved. He met many people at every stop. He listened to different miracles and beauties of Hajibektash Weli from each one. But what he heard was irrational and unreasonable. Eunice didn't linger over those words. His concern was to reach his destination as soon as possible and quickly turn back to his village with wheat if they gave. Because every day he delayed was a great loss. His mother and the villagers would starve. He finally reached Hajibektashvili's village. He had seen many villagers struggling with famine and shortage on his way, while that village was in abundance. The entire village was verdant. The village welcomed people with a smiling nature with flowers all around. Eunice couldn't believe what he had seen. He was lost in amazement. He asked the harvesting farmers about the lodge of Hajibektashvili. They stopped working and brought Eunice there. They thought they might see their sultan with this occasion. Eunice didn't understand that either. What was the secret of the sultan that made people stop doing their work to see his face for a couple of minutes? When they reached the lodge, they were welcomed at the door. He was friendly and invited to enter in beyond all questions. Eunice immediately started to tell his problem. He briefly explained that his fellow villagers were starving, and after kissing the hand of the sultan, he wanted to return right away with the wheat if they had given it to him. But the man before him smiled at him and said, We have seen many men who came here to return, but then settled. You'd better see our sultan first. Eunice impatiently looked after the man who walked away with the thorn apples he picked. He didn't know how much time had passed. The man who returned with a smile said, our sultan would like you to have some rest and be our guest for three days. Then he will make your wish come true, and showed Eunice a room where he could stay. This made Eunice upset. He couldn't understand why he was waiting for three days. In the evening, all guests gathered in the dining hall. 
They had dinner all together and had some talk. Eunice was silently observing people in one corner. Why were all of those people so peaceful and happy? And what was the cause of that glow in their eyes? He was curious about that. In the morning, he woke up in excitement. Three days had ended. He would see Sultan Hajibektash and return to his village. The same man came to him and asked him to perform ablution. He also explained to Eunice how to act before the Sultan. The door opened and they entered together. Oh Allah, Eunice had never seen such a beautiful man before. He was old, his hair and beard were snow white, and he had a beautiful face. He could not understand the secret or the source of that beauty. He kissed his hand and briefed the situation. The Sultan smiled at Eunice's impatience. He kept silent for some time, then asked, Do you want breath or wheat? Eunice thought a little, but he could not comprehend what breath was. My fellow villagers are starving. I want wheat, sir, he answered. The Sultan asked once more, All right, do you want breath equal to each thorn apple you brought or wheat? Eunice again silently said, I want wheat. My fellow villagers are starving. The Sultan asked again, What if I give you breath equal to the seeds of the thorn apples? Eunice replied, Sir, I don't know what breath is or what it is used for. I need wheat. The villagers looking forward to me. Hajibektashwedi understood that there was no point insisting and said, All right, son, let it be as you wish. Eunice got happy. He kissed the Sultan's hand and got out. The friendly man was no more smiling. It was as if his face discolored. He was upset for what Eunice missed and he was walking quietly. Eunice couldn't make sense of it either. Once his cart was filled with wheat to its limit, Eunice bid farewell to everyone and set off. He had strange feelings inside. On one hand, he was happy that he would save his fellow villagers looking forward to him from starving. But on the other hand, he was strangely sad. He was sad for leaving that village, the place of peace and happiness. What was breath? What did Haji Bektashwili want to give him insistently? What was it that he rejected? Should he first ask the Sultan to explain what breath was? Just as Eunice was thinking, suddenly a lightning struck his heart. It was wisdom what the Sultan had called breath. It was the truth, the resurrection. So his heart was dead, and the Sultan wanted to resurrect it. He was offered immortality, but he insisted on wheat. As he continued thinking, he understood everything better. There was breath in that village. Everyone was experiencing the comfort of finding what they had searched for. The cause of such abundance and happiness was breath. He immediately turned his cart back. He quickly returned to the village of Hajibektashwili. That friendly man was at the door, waiting as if he known that Eunice would come back. He got a twinkle in his eyes upon seeing Eunice, and he took him to the Sultan right away. He said, He felt sorry and came back, sir. But Hajibektashwili said, We offered the key to his heart to Topduk Emre. He should go to him to get his breath. He is also one of us. Hearing these words, Eunice couldn't decide whether to rejoice or sadden, but he had nothing left to do there. He now wanted to return to his village, deliver the wheat, and go to Sultan Taptuk. When he arrived at the village, everyone welcomed him with delight. They unloaded the cart and shared the wheat. Everyone ate their fill, and now it was Eunice's turn. They asked Eunice about what he had seen and experienced, but Eunice kept his silence. He had an expression of regret on his face, along with the happiness of having found the one to put up his fire inside. He declared just over there that he would leave to go to Taptuk Emre. His mother felt so sad, but there was nothing to do. It was not possible to hold Eunice there. 
The other day, he set off early in the morning. He traveled day and night and reached Emre village, similar to Bektash village. There was peace, happiness, abundance, and wealth in the village. He appeared before Taptuk Emre. He submitted his body, spirit, soul, and life to Taptuk Emre and threw himself at Taptuk Emre saying, give me breath, make me a man. Taptuk Emre assigned him to carry wood to the lodge. He went to the forest every morning after prayer, chopped wood until the evening call to prayer, and then he returned to the lodge with the wood on his back. He was chopping wood, but such wood was that. He was working for hours to find straight wood, thinking that crooked wood might not enter into his sheikh's lodge. He only carried about Taptuk. He kept his nose clean and he didn't pay attention to anyone. He only thought of properly fulfilling his duty and gaining the consent of his sheikh. One day he was chopping wood in the forest. He chopped the straight ones as usual and piled them up, but he couldn't find his rope to tie them. It was almost the time for evening call to prayer, and it was not possible to carry the wood to the lodge without the rope. He had never delayed his duty, even for once throughout all of those years, and he could not delay it that day either. He could not return to the lodge empty-handed. He was praying as he searched for his rope in panic when a thick black snake approached and twined around the wood. Eunice understood what had just happened and thanked God. He held the black snake and took the wood on his back. When the call for prayer started, Eunice entered in the lodge. He put the wood on the ground silently as he usually did. Then understanding that his duty was over, the snake untwined and glided away. The disciples who saw that were amazed. They had already been jealous of Eunice for days. Topduk's affection to Eunice, waiting for Eunice before starting the discourse, and Eunice's submission to Topduk Sultan called everyone's attention. Some disciples who failed to be freed from the captivity of their egos, they were seeking ways to defame Eunice and were causing unrest. No matter what they did, they failed to disgrace Eunice. Finally, one of them had an idea and claimed that Eunice's devotion to Topduk was because of his love to Topduk's daughter, and, for that matter, Eunice had eye on Topduk's place. Those words raised the devil. Eunice was not aware of the things done behind his back. He continued his daily works as usual, and he was busy chopping the finest wood for his sheikh. One of those days, a couple of jealous disciples appeared before Topduk and said, Eunice laid eyes on your daughter. He is following your daughter wherever she goes. Topduk thought briefly and said, So go and beat him until he comes to his sense, then throw him out of the door. The disciples were happy to have their plan work. They caught and beat Eunice, who was carrying wood, unaware of anything. Then they threw him in front of the door. Eunice could not understand what was going on, and with a final effort, he put his head on the sill. When the disciples closed the door, his head got stuck in between. Yet, he said with a bitter smile, Praise to God, I still have my head inside. Just then, a cry was heard. Topduk Emre ran towards Eunice in tears, saying, Enough! Leave him. I finally found one. The jealous disciples couldn't make sense out of it. They watched how Topduk embraced Eunice and how he nestled his bleeding head in astonishment. As the tears falling from his eyes were mixed with Eunice's blood, Topduk Emre said, You had been waiting for an opportunity. I allowed you for a moment, and you almost crashed him. Leave him. He is mine. I won't hand over my Eunice to you. I may not spare my Eunice. He picked Eunice up, took him into the lodge, and personally dressed his wounds. As Eunice thought of what had happened, his heart ached, his whole body got numb, and he was deeply hurt. What hurt Eunice was not the undeserved beating, his sultan's sadness and crying because of him. He might have died to prevent his sultan from frowning or shedding a single tear. 
He pondered long and found a solution at last. He went to a sultan head first and asked for permission. He explained that he might not stay there any longer. He didn't want to cause any further unrest, and he couldn't stand Toptuk being upset. As he spoke, the flood of tears poured down his eyes, but there were no other solutions. That was inevitable for his Toptuk to live in peace and safety. The other morning, he set off in the wee hours. He hit the road without knowing where to go and without taking anything with him. He came up against two dervishes on the way. Where are you heading, wise men? he asked. We depend on the developments. We are heading wherever the road takes us, they answered. Yunus asked him, may I join you? When the dervishes accepted his offer, they continued to proceed together. After traveling for some time, they got hungry, and one of those two dervishes opened his hand to pray. Upon his prayer, a table descended from above. Seeing that, Yunus was astonished, and he thought that his companions were of those loved by God. They sat together and ate their fill, then continued on their way. After covering a long distance, they got hungry again, and this time the other dervish prayed. Another table descended, and they ate their meal in peace. When they got hungry the third time, they told Yunus, Come on, dervish, it's your turn to pray now. Yunus didn't know what to do, and he couldn't persuade the dervishes even if he had told them that he couldn't do it. So he raised his hands to the sky, and he prayed silently. Oh, my lord, I am an incapable servant. Please do not embarrass me. I am asking you for some food for the sake of the person who the dervishes mentioned in their prayers for food. As soon as his prayer was over, not one but two tables descended from above. The dervishes were surprised and asked, Oh, the humble dervish, we prayed and got one table, but you prayed and got two tables. What is the wisdom of this? For whose sake you asked for food from God? Eunice said, First tell me whose name you mentioned while praying, and then I'll tell you. The dervishes explained. We looked over the realm of meaning. We saw a man named Eunice who has a higher station and a great value before God. So we asked for food for his sake. Upon hearing this, Eunice began to tremble from his head to toe, and his heart ached, thinking, Oh, my Topduk, oh, my Sultan, what have you done to me? It seems that you have made me so mature and made me ready without my knowledge. When the dervishes asked, who did you mention in your prayer? Eunice said, Never mind, I am going back, and started to walk towards his Toptuk. He walked day and night without sleeping or resting and reached the lodge of his sultan. Toptuk's wife welcomed Eunice at the door. Eunice said, Dear Haji mother, please help me. Did my Toptuk forgive me? Can you ask him if he accepts me? The old wife of Toptuk Emre responded, Eunice's son, I love you very much. You are an honest, hard-working, and a moral boy. I know that they treated you wrong, but my Toptuk got very upset after you. He couldn't stand the pain of losing you. He went blind from crying every day. Eunice regretted even further after hearing this. He understood better that he made a great mistake by leaving in order not to upset his sultan. Eunice said, Dear Haji mother, please help me. Drive me back to my Toptuk, by holding her hands tightly. Haji mother said, all right, he will come out to perform ablution soon. He is walking with a stick as he cannot see. Lie on that door sill. When his stick catches you, he will ask me who you are, and I'll say, This is Eunice. If he replies, Which Eunice? Then leave silently. This means he still feels resentful. If he replies, Is it our Eunice? Then embrace him and kiss his hand. This means he forgave you. Eunice lied on the door sill and started waiting. Soon he heard the steps of Topduk coming towards Eunice. Time was moving slowly for Eunice, and he was feeling himself at a place between heaven and hell. 
As Haji mother told, the stick caught Eunice, top to gasp. Dear, what is this on the floor? His wife replied, it is Eunice. At that moment, Eunice could hear nothing but his heartbeats. He felt like his heart skipped a beat. When Topduk asked, Our Eunice? Eunice Emery threw himself at the feet of his sheikh and began to sob, saying, Forgive me, my sultan, forgive me. I couldn't understand what you have given me. Topduk said, O oh, Eunice, I prepared you as a closed box to offer our lord as a gift without opening. But you hurried and opened the cover of the box. It may not be closed any more. Now speak whatever comes to your inner heart. You were in love. You are a lover of the truth. You love everyone. You even love those who beat you to death. From now on, your duty is to love. Your mission is to be beneficial for the society. You will not have any enemies because you even love your enemies. So no one can be angry at you. And thus, everyone recognized Eunice. After that day, some things happened to Eunice. The words fell into his heart in drops, and he was speaking those words by astonishing everyone around. Each word he spoke burned another heart. His reputation spread from mouth to mouth, and the number of people around him increased day by day. He felt uncomfortable about this, but he couldn't help speaking the words that came to his heart, and he knew that the source of all of those words was the truth. Eunice and Topduk sometimes talked, sometimes shared their states, and sometimes just looked at each other in silence. They spent days like that, but one day Topduk called Eunice with eyes swollen from crying. A fireball fell in the heart of Eunice immediately. He knew that it was the fire of separation. Topduk said, Come here, my Eunice. Come, the light of my eyes and my heart. I don't know how I may survive without your discourse and your friendly conversation, but there is one thing that I know very well. It is not possible for two lions to sit on one post. It is time for you to leave, the precious one of the truth. Now go and serve. Tell him and resurrect dead hearts with this breath that you took from us. Upon hearing this, every particle of Eunice burnt with the fire of separation. Because he had learned what it meant to be away from Topduk, he had experienced that suffering before. How could he endure that pain once again? While he was crying with those thoughts, Topduk Sultan held Eunice's hands and said, Don't worry, we are now one. You are in me and I am in you. We became one with him. We are not separating, praise be to God. We found unity in him. Nobody can separate us from now on. When Eunice heard those divine words, he gathered himself and comprehended the reality. He found solace in Topduk's words. That night, a farewell meeting was organized for Eunice. They performed thicker, chanted hymns, and those who drank the wine of love got drunk. Eunice woke up early in the morning and performed his morning prayer. He hit the road to go wherever his heart led him without a certain destination. On his way, he ran into saints from Khorasan. He asked, Where are you going, dervishes? They said, Do you know Sultan Rumi? We are going to his lodge. Eunice had heard of Rumi many times, but he couldn't find a chance to meet him. He took the opportunity and asked, Can I join you? When the dervishes accepted his offer, they proceeded together. Dervishes were having a talk as they walked, but Eunice was not talking much. He became silent with the excitement of meeting Rumi, and he became delighted with the divine light falling into his heart. He was briefly answering the questions asked and then returned to his silence again. One of the dervishes wanted to eat semolina halva, and he called out to Rumi, Oh, my sultan, we traveled long distances. We are hungry. Could you please offer us a nice and tasty halva? The others also wanted some and confirmed altogether. Yunus was silent again. Finally, they reached Konya. Then they found Rumi's lodge. As soon as they entered in, they smelled the sweet odor of halva and smiled at each other, saying, The sultan heard us. 
Romy welcomed them standing. He embraced them one by one and smelled at each one as if he was looking for a particular person, but he couldn't. He talked to all dervishes and none left behind. Then he asked, You asked for Helva, and I got it prepared. One of you asked for my essence, my truth, but where is he? I cannot see him. Just then they remembered Eunice. Where did that humble man hide? We entered in together, murmured the dervishes. Suddenly, Rumi noticed someone behind the door sitting on heels. He couldn't tell he was there, and he was the one asking for him out of decency, and he was sitting there silently in tears. Seeing Eunice, Rumi said with a groan, Oh, my dear, he made quick steps toward that dervish who flamed the fire of longing in his heart. At that moment, Eunice also proceeded towards Rumi with an irresistible attraction, and they met in the middle. They embraced and lost themselves. Rumi didn't let Eunice get out of his sight throughout his stay in Konya. Rumi tried to fulfill his longing to shams with Eunice. They frequently performed seclusion, and they exchanged from their hearts for days. People of Konya started to surge up once again. Did a new shams arrive? They could not see Rumi for days. What was it about that humble dervish that they shut themselves and did not come out for days? But there was one thing that they didn't know. Eunice was the Turkmen dervish for whom Rumi said, In every divine destination that I ascended, I saw the footprints of a great Turkmen man before me. Rumi called Hussam al-Din Chalabi and asked him to read Mathnawi to Eunice. Hussam al-Din Chalabi read each and every page of Mathnawi, and Eunice listened to him. Then, with eyes looking from another realm and with a voice from an unclear reaction, he said, I disguised myself in flesh and bones, presented myself as Eunice. Hearing that, Rumi smiled and quiet Hussam al-Din Chalabi down. We explained it with too many words, my Hussam al-Din. See, Eunice briefed it with one sentence. He said, Eunice startled at that moment and gathered himself. He looked at Rumi's face bashfully thinking that he might have done something wrong but he could only see pleasure in Rumi's face. While Eunice and Rumi continued fulfilling their longing, the people were surging up with anger. Eunice was aware of what was happening, and one day he asked permission to leave. He said, It is time to go. Although Rumi insisted, saying, Don't go, you have salved me. Let's spend our days together from now on, Eunice said. I was told to travel and tell. I should continue until I am told to stop. It is not good for me to stay for a long time in one place, and took leave. Throughout his life, Eunice never claimed to be a dervish or wanted to become a sultan. He abandoned existence and attained the happiness of nothingness. He became the source of hope for a sufferer and he traveled Anatolia, Syria, and Azerbaijan. There are many disputes about the places of birth and burial of Eunice Emre. It is apparent that he was born in the center of Anatolia and buried in the hearts of his lovers. Therefore, he has tombs in many cities and provinces. Let's consider that all of them are true and visit him everywhere he has a tomb. Because Eunice is everywhere, he is remembered. Mournful Eunice As a person, Eunice Emery is mournful, humble, and a lover. The sadness of Eunice originates from the observations he made at an early age and his becoming aware of the source of such a heavy burden of living. This awareness allowed him to observe the happenings in life at a higher level, first beyond his village, then the cities and countries. He observed what made people suffer from. He resolved their problems by finding solutions from his perspective, and he reflected the results in his poems with plain language. Eunice first addressed the causes of sufferings, then analyzed their effects on people, and comprehended that most of them are beneficial factors that mature people. He saw how different suffering people were from other words. In other words, he determined 
the fact that the remedy of the people was hidden in their sufferings. It is understood from here that people with problems think, people with problems seek remedies, and they apprehend the truth of life while searching. They help the others who suffer, they show the beneficial outcomes of sufferings, and they prevent others from cursing and falling. Sufferings are like remedies, they taste bitter, but they cure. So in the sense, many poems of Eunice have been a prescription for the entire humanity. Humble Eunice. Finally, the morning Eunice was drawn into a whirlpool of great suffering, which was the loneliness caused by being separated from the truth. He became a humble man of truth who suffers from being alone in crowds. Humble Eunice traveled from one city to another and crossed the mountains, but he couldn't find anyone with teary eyes and wounded heart like him. He burned out with longing day and night. His mouth spoke and his eyes shed tears, but he still couldn't meet his lover. He separated from the true friend to come to this world. He got tired of the distress of this world. He wanted to go to the true friend by breaking the chains attaching him to this world. If he had borne hundred thousand times, he would still have wanted to sacrifice himself for the sake of the true friend. He mentioned that he had come to a strange land, nobody understood him, and he had a dialogue of the deaf, and he emphasized that people failed to see the reality. He defined himself as a nightingale in the garden of the beloved, and the beloved as his unfading, everlasting rose. By mentioning that the beloved called him and gave him a glass of wine of love, he declared that he attained the secret of immortality after drinking from that wine. Lover Eunice In Sufism, divine love is the most important aspect on the path of becoming a perfect man. Divine love is the glorified version of love of God, and the love that Eunice repeatedly mentioned is this love. Besides being an important aspect in Sufism, divine love has a significant place in the poems and the personality of Eunice Emre. According to Masters of Sufism, divine love, of which Eunice represents one of the best examples in his personality, occurs when the Almighty Creator presents himself to himself in form of a lover and a beloved to observe the glories of his names and attributes. Eunice loved the mountains and rocks. He loved the trees and birds. He loved the beloved of all. He got sick with longing. He traveled many lands. He sought the beloved. He asked about him to ants and the flying birds. He asked about him to sufferers and the poor, but he couldn't find. He burned out with this live throughout his life. Finally, he found the beloved of all. He scattered his ashes on the ocean. His works. Eunice Emery based his works on love and tolerance. He is one of the masters of Sufism who explained and taught these two topics to people in the most effective manner. Eunice Emre has two works which are his Divan and his Mathnawi, Risalatun Nushie. All his poems are compiled in his Divan. He is sincere, pure, and clear. He stayed away from showing off and embellishments in his poems. His expressions are considerably effective and strong, but he used plain Turkish. He made great services to Turkish culture by choosing Turkish language. He is one of those who paved the way for folk literature in Anatolia and who played the biggest role in this. Eunice considered poems as a means. His poems are didactic and realistic. Although he didn't have artistic concerns in his poems, he addressed people in the best way and produced great artistic works. He speaks to everyone in every segment of society, including the high-level intellectual people, and his messages reach their targets. He hit the roads, visited cities and villages, and explained the truth to people he ran into. Eunice didn't care about the social statuses of the people he had addressed, and he didn't distinguish them based on their religion, order, race, or color. He never discriminated anyone. 
He had an attribute that embraces the whole humankind. He was not a separatist, but a unifier and a joiner. He explained Sufism down to the very last detail in his poems, and his plain language made it easier for people to reach the truth. In his work in the form of Mafnawi, Risalatun Nushia, Yunus Emri explained the reason of creation and the good and bad tempers with symbols.